the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Welcome into the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Talk910.com if you want to follow us online. Talk910.com. There's a podcast there. So if I happen to say anything intelligent, it happens on occasion. You want to hear it a second time, you can jump on Talk910.com and read, listen to the show and go, whoa, that was intelligent. My expertise is money. My expertise is retirement planning. My expertise is saving for retirement and getting there. It's investing. I can talk tech stocks better than any person you know on the planet. I know technology and I know money. Well, no, I'm not. Okay, wait, wait. I'm going to back off that last statement. I'm good at technology. I'm great at money. If you have any questions, how to get your kid to college? You know, did you and the woman, you know, do a pregnancy test last night? And go, uh-oh, we're going to have a baby. What do you need to think about? You know, it costs about a quarter of a million dollars from the time you have that baby as, as it comes out the womb to the time it goes to college. And then college is another $250,000. That's pretty darn expensive. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there for you. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Again, you don't have to be shy. The markets are a little bit on the lower side today. Maybe they're mixed. I don't know. Dow is down 7. NASDAQ down 1. S&P 500 up uh, fractionally. So the S&P's up. Now, let me throw this out there. The S&P 500 is a market-weighted index. So when you hear the S&P 500's up, it doesn't really mean much. It's not that impressive. It could be that one stock is up a lot out of 499 because the top 10 stocks are market weighted. Next 10 stocks have a little less weight. Next 10 stocks after that have a little less weight. So it's really not as diverse as you think it is. I wish it were, but it's not. Let's talk about the cost of Halloween today. Halloween's right around the corner. How much does costume cost? Are we spending more? Are we spending less? I got stories today about vaccines. Ooh, the phone's are ringing. It's nice to see 800-345-5639. Vaccines. You know what's interesting about vaccines? I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. Vaccines are interesting in large part because they're tougher to come off patent and become generic. So they're very, very profitable. So drug companies right now, they're losing a lot of their stuff to, to patents. And as it becomes generic form, they you know lose that premium uh, buck, so to speak. So vaccines, really, really important. I'll talk about that on the show today. We'll talk a little Case-Shiller Home Price Index. It's continuing to rebound. We saw the Case-Shiller Home Price Index posted a strong monthly gain in July. The 20-city composite, it rose and adjusted 1.2%. The 20-city composite, though, is down 13% year over year. But from June to July, it's up. Now, the housing market has not hit a bottom. Existing home sales increased by a large factor in June, in May, in July, and are probably fueling the rally. 
Home sales plummeted in August, and prices may again turn negative is the expectations. First-time homebuyer stimulus package, it's set to end November 30th. So if you're going to buy a new house and get that $8,000 tax credit, you need to do, you need to close in the next 60 days. That's going to put some, you know, downward pressure on prices once that's gone. In spite of those caveats, the report does show, you know, the market is out of a freefall. Three regions showed month-over-month decline. Seattle, Las Vegas, Detroit. Las Vegas, it's a desert. They've got massive uh, uh, project cancellations. I don't think Las Vegas ever comes back. If you bought a condo in the last three years, I don't think you'll ever see that price. Well, three years ago. If you bought it in 2006, I don't think you'll ever see that price again in Las Vegas. Not in your lifetime. There was no region that posted a positive year-over-year price change. No region. Some were static and went sideways. Let's get to a phone call. Let's go to Carl in San Jose. Carl? Uh, hi, Rob. Um, I'm calling because I feel kind of paralyzed with the way the market is. Uh, I'm waiting for it to pull back, and uh, I'm also confused about, you know, is the future going to bring us uh, hyperinflation, or are we going to really slide and go into deflation? I'm wondering, what would be your recommendation to be able to sit on some investments so that it's, it's not money like just buying gold coins or gold that, you know, this isn't working for you, but yet you could sit on it in anticipation of, of inflation if that's the case. Or the more complicated to me is how do you hedge against deflation effectively? Well, too many questions. Um, why are you worried about inflation? Well, I'm retired right now. <clears throat> uh, my wife is still working. Um, we, we have money in, in real estate. Uh, we have, we're we're kind of happy right now with uh, our holdings, it's more of preserving uh, our, our capital right now, but also the fear of hyperinflation, which we've never... I mean, I remember the inflation back in the 70s. When I hear hyperinflation, that really scares me. I guess that's even worse than what, what we experienced then. And so I'm just wondering whether you could get too comfortable and not realizing what, what hyperinflation could do. Yeah, I think we're a long way off from hyperinflation. Um, first and foremost, you would pay attention to jobs. And we would need employment to go back down to 6% or below before we got true hyperinflation. I don't think – do you think that's any time soon? I have, I have, I have no idea. Uh, you know, I, they keep talking about interest rates uh, you know, going up. Interest rates going up doesn't mean hyperinflation. Interest rates going up means uh, you're, it, we're, the economy is growing, and the economy growing does, again, create some inflation but not hyperinflation. So, again, the question on inflation is jobs. When do you see America hiring people aggressively again? Not in the foreseeable future. So kill hyperinflation because we need jobs to to have high demand for things. Okay, then deflation. (laughs) Okay, deflation is another question. Um, I would buy treasury bonds if you are worried about deflation. Uh, That would reflect a reemergence of deflationary fears. There's been a significant flattening on the long end of the curve, the yield curve. So the long end of the yield curve, and trust me, I'm boring a lot of people when I say this, it's basically saying deflationary fears are out there at the center of the delevering as opposed to the accelerating growth. I think the best way to play deflation would be treasury bonds, treasury securities. With treasury yields near the top of expected range, um, the overweight duration, you take exposure to the 5- and 10-year portion of the yield curve. That's what you would want to do. Now, again, we just geeked out there, and a lot of people got lost on what you and I were just talking about. So I say deflation is probably a bigger concern in the next two years, maybe two to five years from now, some mild inflation, and uh, five years plus, maybe some hyperinflation, but it's too early to say. 
So if you're saying the concern with most people should be more in hedging against deflation than any impending inflation. Agreed. Thanks so much, Rob. So thanks for the call. Bye. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. If you don't know what deflation is, um, you need to study a little bit. It's kind of advanced. I like keeping the show to like investing 101, but I probably should on occasion get a little bit geekier with you. And I got kind of geeky with him. Uh, deflation, well, our economy, it's, it's growing right now. So it's inflating. That's the basic idea. If you get more money at your job next year, it's inflating. You get the idea, right? So your wage inflation. If your home goes up in, in value, it's it's home price inflation. Now, home prices can only inflate if wages inflate. Does that make sense? Because people need to buy that more expensive home from you. So inflation, to me, is the worst possible fear on the planet. Some people don't like Jason Voorhees. The guy with the, the machete in the woods. Some people don't like Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. He's scary, right? Thing that fears me, things that creeps me out. Well, first and foremost, there was a movie in the 1970s called Blackula, which was a black vampire. I remember seeing that, and that scared the hell out of me. But the second thing that scares me more than Blackula was uh, inflation. See, I want... Let's say I have a million dollars, and that's my retirement goal is a million dollars. But in retirement, let's say I like to travel, and if, if airfare goes from three hundred to seven hundred, my million dollars just went from one million to five hundred thousand. If inflation and healthcare costs go up six percent a year, my million dollars in retirement better go up six percent a year per year. You get the idea. Inflation is the biggest possible boogeyman out there, and it's tied toward an economy that gets too hot. We had hyperinflation in the nineteen seventies. I don't see hyperinflation coming back. Now, deflation is kind of the opposite of inflation. It's a decrease in the general price level of goods and services. It occurs when the inflation rate falls below zero. It results in an increase in the real value of money, allowing one to buy more goods with the same amount. That should not be confused with what's called disinflation, which is a slowdown in the inflation rate. Again, I'm getting kind of geeky on you, and hey, I like talking the stuff, and hopefully someone else likes hearing the stuff. It's pretty geeky. So um, to play deflation, and I don't see rampant deflation, you would buy a 5- and 10-year treasury bond. That's how you'd protect. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk a little bit more about the market. In large part, it's normal is, normal does. Big correction on the stock market. And again, that's what Carl was asking on some level. Carl said, I don't know when the market's going to crack. Carl, I'd, I'd work with a financial planner that you trust, first and foremost, because you shouldn't be in the business of guessing when the market cracks or not. Big correction in the stock market many people are looking for, and apparently it's going to have to wait a bit longer. The market continues to chug higher. We haven't had three days of negativity in a row for quite a while. Every selling is met with more buying. S&P 500 gained a tidy 1.7% and made up the majority of last week's 2.2% drop. Now, the action, not totally surprising, just a little profit taken last week can be considered normal. Ability to bounce back quickly, it's been the normal pattern since this great bull move began in March. Normal is, normal does. This is normal. Only wrinkle in yesterday's move was that it occurred on low volume, very, very low volume. So only 979 million shares were traded on the NYSE. That's the seventh lowest volume day of the year. So there's not a lot of conviction in the rally. It moved up. Now, again, today, I think the, the market's going to be painted by the S&P Case-Shiller Index. There's 
Dallas Fed Reserve President Fisher. He's going to speak on the U.S. economy today. His colleague, uh, Fed President Plosser, he's going to be talking about the Fed's role in the national and regional economies tonight. So there's a little bit of data that we could dissect, but again, I'm getting kind of geeky on you. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. You're listening to Talk 910. You can find me at talk910.com. It's 910 a.m. More stimulating talk. I'm Rob Black. Communicate, communicating remote socket. I don't even know what that means. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I want to go back to an email that I got in the last couple of days just to show you an email chain and where people are at. This one says, I listen to you often as I can. I like your points of view on financial and economical situations. I like your answers to other people's questions. Now, here's one that I hope you can answer. It said, four and a half years ago, I made a very bad decision. I bought a second house as my investing investment using $65,000 of my own primary home equity for down payment. I bought my second house in Modesto for $315,000 with sweet minimum payment, negative amortization mortgage. I was stupid. Now, a negative amortization loan means you don't even, the loan's getting bigger every single day. You're counting on appreciation in the home to save your butt. Last three years, that hasn't happened. So now the house is worth $150,000. My balance on the second mortgage is 270000 I have trouble to find decent tenants. Every year, I have to find new tenants, so I have extra expenses on ads, traveling, maintenance, etc. Right now, I have a perfect credit history. My son went to college this fall. I had no problem to get a parent loan for him this year. In May 2010, my terms of the sweet mortgage, the negative amortization loan, is going to change. Most likely, I will be, not be able to do the monthly dues easily. I'm thinking of three more years to support my son's education by obtaining parents' loans. I ruined my credit history. I won't be qualified for loans anymore. What would you do if you were me? This guy's name is Anatoly. You're screwed, dude. You're screwed. Your son probably not going to finish college with your dime in any way, shape, or form. Modesto is not coming back anytime soon. So you're not going to be able to get a loan on that house when the negative amortization ends. On top of it, you're going to hurt your credit, and thus you're not going to qualify for parent loans anymore for your kid. You have to come to terms with that. I responded to him with, I don't see a good way out of this for you. You could consider an attorney if you thought that might help. I would let you, um, your son know as soon as possible that you're going to have problems and I'd drop him as a dependent today. Make sure that he is not on your tax forms because he's not going to be able to get student loans. He's going to have a, a mountain of trouble. So Anatoly writes me one more time back. He says, thanks for your response. I understand you. You do not recommend me to keep the second home with a hope to get my money back someday. Five to ten years from now is my hope. He's expecting his home to double in value in five to ten years. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is, is not on planet Earth. Have you seen where Modesto is? When you pull Modesto up on a map, there's nothing but land around it. I feel bad. I feel tragic for him. Modesto's never coming back. You made a mistake, and my best guess is your credit's going to be trashed. And my next best guess after that, your kid's not going to get a loan with your name. So I would consider an attorney. I would consider 
foreclosing the property. I would look at the ramifications of it. I'd, I'd consider foreclosure. If you think real estate's going to double in the next five to 10 years, you're smoking some good California weed, send me some. A friend of mine said something kind of funny. He said, California's gift to medicine. It's pretty funny if you think about it. Medical marijuana. Okay. Um, I don't know. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. If you want to call in with Anatolia's situation, let me know. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Now, earlier in the show, I, I teased the idea that drug companies are starting to turn to vaccines. Concern about the threat of influence of pandemics. Three big drug makers announced a deal that gives them the right to a new flu vaccine. Placing bets on the pharmaceutical industry's brightest and riskiest segment. In one of the deals, Johnson Johnson paid $302 million for an 18% stake in Dutch biotech company called Crucial, ticker symbol CRXL. Now, Johnson & Johnson already owns 18% of them. Crucial is one of the swine flu stocks I've been talking about for years, not years, weeks, months, months. Go take a look at what it's done, CRXL. If things go Crucial's way and swine flu gets out of control, Johnson Johnson's going to be paying a couple more bucks for the rest of the shares. Now, Abbott Laboratories confirmed it's going to acquire a unit of Belgium conglomerate Silvoy in a deal that includes a vaccine-making business. Merck, they obtained Australia's CSL for an undisclosed sum marketing rights to a seasonal flu vaccine. Now, the deals reflect the growing conviction amongst pharmaceutical executives that vaccines against a variety of maladies, which is long an industry stepchild, will become an increasingly important source of growth to replace aging blockbusters that are poised to lose patent protection. Viagra is a blockbuster. I know that little blue pill that made all those obnoxious commercials about old men banging their old ladies, and it all creeped us all out. It was a blockbuster. Not how many people used it once, how many people used it a second time. That's blockbuster status in the world of pharmaceuticals. Vaccine sales are growing faster than sales of other medicines and are largely immune to generic competition that is already costing drug makers billions of dollars of revenue on their top-selling treatments. Now, moreover, government agencies, both in the United States and the world, are increasingly reliable buyers of vaccines. They stockpile medicines that could help protect it in case of major flu vaccines. Vaccines are especially attractive to drug companies looking to Brazil and China and other emerging markets. Governments are seeking vaccines to protect the populations from a potential flu pandemic. They also view other vaccines as good values, such as you know, a $10 shot to prevent illness that would cost a lot more. So in the world of medicine, there's a shift. Everyone's looking to vaccines. Now, what's that mean to you? That means you look at companies that are tied towards vaccines. Does that make sense? I think it does. Let me pull up one company to give you a quick idea if I can pull it up. Yeah, I think I can. Um, There it is. This is a stock that I own. It's called Stericycle. Ticker symbol is SRCL. It's a $50 stock. If you pull out a big blowout chart of it, you'll see why I like it. I've owned it for a while. I need to disclose these things so as not to freak people out. Sticker symbol is SRCL. Let's see, I want to pull up one more thing while I do this. Again, I'm on the computer from hell. So it's had a sideways year this year, going basically from about 60 to 50 to 60 to 50. Um, not a lot of movement. What do they do? 
They make injection devices tied towards vaccines. It's kind of a backdoor play on the vaccine market, if that makes any sense to you. It's um, their needles basically are protect the physician from potentially poking himself. Ticker symbol is stare cycle. They're also in the business of going and picking up that material that needs to be handled with care. And there's not a lot of competition in this area. So stare cycle ticker symbol SRC. Let me pull up some financials on it if I get the chance. And this is bad radio, 800-345-5639. You can listen to the show online, talk910.com. Guy came in and fixed my computer, Dane. Let's just say it's not fixed. Working under these circumstances makes radio really difficult. Think Armstrong and Getty have computers that are slow? I don't think so. 800-345-5639. Okay, I'm going to go to my laptop because that's the only thing that seems to be working at this point in time. Um, Talking about vaccines and how drug companies are, are angling after them. So the idea here is bubble, bubble, toil, and trouble, uh, medical rubble. Now, Stericycle, medical and pharmaceutical waste, they serve 420,000 clients in North and South America, treat waste through autoclaving, electrical thermal deactivation, radio frequency waves to destroy pathogens. They're in Brazil, they're in South Africa, they're in China. So you get the basics on them. Now let's talk about the financials because I brought that up. This is a play on vaccines. In the last three years, $780 million to $932 to $1.08 million. In the last three years, profits have gone from $105 million to $118 million to $148 million. It's a good, solid growth company. Nothing to write home about, but good, solid growth. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. And why did I wait so long to tell you that information? Because I really believe that if I'm going to tell you anything, I want to look at it to make sure it's right and correct so that I don't uh, ultimately end up hurting you. Now, the market, everyone, the first caller, Carl, he thinks the market's going to go lower. He thinks the market's going to go higher. He thinks the market's going to go lower. He's not quite sure. Coming up after the break, I'll tell you where some experts think the market's going to go. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. A lot of you people are really messed up, and it seems to me that most of the people are messed up on their houses. For instance, this man was getting a divorce. He drops me an email, and he says, um, I've got a current home loan. Present time, I've got $700,000 on the mortgage. It could sell for 680000 That's only 20000 Due to the upcoming divorce, the wife or I will not be able to afford or want the house. There is no equity. My thoughts are to sell the house and somehow make up the difference with the monies I don't have. Or some people are telling me to just walk away from the house and the loan obligation. I'm of those people who have always want to take care of my debts. Thanks. You provide your radio listeners a great service. I'd do everything you can. Um, I would consider a short sale if it's the original loan. If you short sell it, ultimately what this means is you are forgiven the difference between seven hundred and six hundred eighty thousand if it's the original loan. Now, if you did any refinance or any funky stuff you may be held accountable. It's a recourse loan if you've done anything like refinancing. It's a non-recourse loan if you haven't. So short sale is probably going to be your best option. Next, I would consider you and the wife eat it. 10000 her, 10000 you, do it in the divorce decree. Next, I would consider a foreclosure on the property. 
Um, if you really want to get the attorneys involved and try to do a modification, I think you're you just want a divorce at this point in time. I'm not speaking definitively for you, but that's where I'm at. Now, speaking of the future, I don't think real estate will ever do again what it did from 2004, 2006. The Modestos of this world and the Stocktons and the Las Vegases and the Phoenixes, they're deserts. They're, they're done. They're not coming back. Not now, not ever. We got stupid in 2006, and we thought you can buy real estate anywhere on the planet because of stupid radio shows. Get Robert out of the studio. Um, go. I'm doing a show here. Go. So, I know, but it's distracting as all hell. So... 800-345-5639. So, again, I'm off topic. Ser- seriously, Robert, don't do that. So, um, Friedman Bellings Ramsey today talking about where the market's going to go. And ultimately, the stock market versus the real estate market. A lot of people want the real estate market to come back to where it once was. A lot of people want tech stocks to come back to where it once was. We have a, a situation where we do have bubbles that happen and speculation comes in. And those are the people who tend to linger and tend to want now, will real estate in Palo Alto do okay? I still think it's too pricey, but it will do okay. But will real estate in Modesto do well? Real estate in Modesto will not do well. So it's it's kind of like, will Intel do well in the future? Sure. But will this teeny tiny semiconductor company that's going to change the world do well in the future? Probably not. The days of speculation betting on everything are kind of over. Now, Friedman Billings Ramsey reiterating the 2009 S&P 500 forecast for the stock market. They see about 1075. Let's see what I got here as far as where we are today. Uh, take me just a second to pull up. We're about where we are at 1075. Um, 1050 is where I wanted to see the market go at the start of the year and at the end of the year where it was going to be. So we are at 1064 right now. So Friedman Billings Ramsey saying we could be at 1075. And they're cautioning investors potential sell-off through the last quarter of the year. They see the growing possibility for some softness in the economic environment that could rattle some confidence in the recovery. They believe that once they see an inflection point in the labor market, which they continue to think is developing, that they'll see a more sustainable economic recovery. They see downside in the S&P 500 in a worst-case scenario of 925. They see financials and consumer discretionary stocks as the most likely exposed to the greatest downside risk. They believe future disappointment will come from a consumption hangover. What's that mean? Consumption hangover. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, we were a nation that in the 90s and early 2000s, we consumed and consumed and consumed. And we take money out of our 401k. Or we take money out of our IRA or a regular account because we made all sorts of money in the late 90s on tech stocks. And we made all sorts of money in 2000s on real estate. So we consumed more than what we saved. So Friedman Billings Ramsey says there's danger of a consumption hangover. They see the worst case scenario of 925 on the S&P 500. They see financial consumer discretionary stocks as the most likely exposed to the downside. That's what you got. Again, that doesn't mean that you, you listen to this. It's not Bible in any way, shape, or form. Growing possibility for some softness in economic environments that could rattle some confidence. That's good. You know that's coming. We know there's going to be some weakness in economic data. You know it's coming, so don't let it rattle your confidence. Let's go to Anthony and Martinez, 800-345-5639. Hi, Rob. Hey, Anthony. Uh, Quick question. Uh, I am in a fixed uh, 30-year. My house is worth uh, uh, $400,000. 
and we're my wife and I were trying to refi because our rate is at a 6.37, and we were trying to refi for at least a 5.125, and uh, we got the uh, uh, appraisal back, and it came back at 380, and we owe 400. Um, so I was wondering, should I take my $20,000? I have my bank put it towards the principal so I can get the bit better uh, rate, or should I just hold on to my cash? Um, I don't think rates are going to go wild anytime soon. 6.3% is not an awful rate. 5.1 is a hell of a lot better. What's your 401k looking like? Uh, well, my wife and I both have a 403b. We okay. started it uh, five years ago. We took some losses there, but uh, we're we're not planning on moving from away from the company. How much? How much? Give me a number. Uh, gosh, man, I think like twenty six grand. How old are you? Thirty four. Okay, you're behind on saving for retirement. Ultimately, is there anything else I need to know about what you have or don't have? <laughs> yeah, I have fifteen. Uh, 15- thousand dollars worth of debt okay how much but, is the debt at? what's the debt at uh what's the debt yeah what's the rate of the, on the debt oh gosh uh credit card what is it it's yeah uh credit card i think you'd probably be better served taking your twenty thousand and paying off the credit card debt pay off every financial planner on the planet will say pay off any credit card debt over eight percent and my guess okay. is it's over eight percent okay so that's what I would do before trying to do, do the mortgage. Yeah, I got a second uh, a second job just to uh, pay the uh, credit cards itself. But, Good. Uh, I'm trying to hold on to my cash or get at least a better rate. <laughs> um, you can go. You can try to shop around rates and see if you can't financially engineer your way out of it. You can go to bankrate.com and look for you know low introductory offers. But with that said, you got to get really super serious about paying off that debt. All credit card debt, bad debt, mortgage debt, good debt, student debt, good debt. Um, I don't think if you want to talk to a mortgage lender and see the idea of taking your 20,000 cash and putting it towards the, the a new mortgage, maybe. Yeah. But again, you're not looking at 20%. I mean, you're still not at favorable levels. So right. I don't think you would get it, but you can try if you want to. Uh, ultimately, I still think you're going to be better off paying off the debt and then taking the money from the second job and putting it toward, more towards the 403B. Or if you want to start putting it towards principal in the house, if that's going to make you feel more comfortable. And thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You're listening to 910 AM, talk910.com. More stimulating talk. John Rob Black talking all things financial. Ooh, lots going on today. Hmm. Coca-Cola, have a Coke and a smile. Citigroup's calling them a buy. They're saying it's a $61 stock. Now, what's that mean to you? It's a $50 stock right now. It's a 20% return if Citigroup's right. Coca-Cola has delivered a strong local currency growth in each of the last two years. Coca-Cola's a play on the dollar. It's a play on the euro. It's a play on the yuan. They're international. They've got a valuation multiple. It's contracted as foreign exchange has depressed reported results. 
Roughly 75 of their profits are generated overseas, and with a dollar weakening, Coca-Cola will show markedly better earnings per share, leading the valuation multiple to expand. So says Citigroup. I don't think a $60 stock is out of the world for Coca-Cola. It could happen for sure. Let's go to Angie in Campbell. Angie? Hey, Rob. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. So my question for you is, um, my husband and I have just recently switched financial planners. Okay. And uh, we have, um, we don't have a huge portfolio, but we have it in a lot of different places. We have some uh, REITs, we have some pigs and pals, we have some um, real estate funds, okay. that kind of thing. Um, and then the majority, we also have maxed out our 401ks and um, have some Roths and some IRAs, and we have, um, I'm 36 and my husband is 42, and we have three little boys. Congratulations. Five, three, and one. Thank you very much. And um, the bulk of our, um, we have about $320,000 that is in a Section 79 that was through my husband's business. Okay. And um, I guess they don't do Section 79s anymore. So what uh, our new financial planner wants to do is move that into a private pension, um, a non-qualified retirement fund. And then he wants to take um, some money that we have. He wants to liquidate our Ameritrade account and put it into Harvard Protected Assets, which is, I guess, a variable annuity. Right. And I know you are always saying you really don't like those, except in certain circumstances. So what I'm wondering is, um, is that a good idea for us to invest, put our investments into variable annuities. I know the Section 79 is pretty much an insurance product anyway. Right. So is is it worth moving it? Because we put, I think we put $75,000 a year into it for five years. So I'm wondering, is it worth taking that out? Because we've already paid um, to get into that and then already um, had the insurance part taken out of it. So our three, our, our five years of $75,000 is now down to 320. Okay. Um, this is going to be something that I want to get a financial planner that I trust involved in. Okay. Because I don't know the product Section 79. I've only seen two of them ever before in my life. They're okay. incredibly rare. It's tied towards the Internal Revenue Code. It's tied towards group term life insurance or permanent life insurance. Right. What did your husband do? Was he an attorney or He's what? A doctor. Doctor. Okay. Yeah. There was something tied towards that. I figured high compensated employee. Um, Drop me an email, Angie, okay. and my email is rob at robblack.com, uh-huh. and give me the details, and I'll run it by a financial planner the moment I get it Okay. and um, give you a good, solid opinion. I would be cautious of saying yes to a variable annuity, especially through Hartford. Okay. Um, they're very high-cost high, um, high cost products, Okay. and you don't need that. I mean, you've got a large chunk of money, and whether your financial planner is willing to admit it or not, there's some incentive for him to put you in that because they give a good kickback to them, up to 9%. Now, that's not money that comes out of you, but it's, it, it is actually money that comes out of you, and it is money that actually higher management fees. And the, the variable annuity is tied to something, right? It's tied towards, like, the S&P 500. Uh-huh. Why not buy the S&P 500? Okay. Um, the guarantee on that variable annuity, and let's just use simple terms. Let's say it's $100. They will guarantee, or let's say it's $70. They'll guarantee 7% rate of return for 10 years. And what it is, it's your $70 coming back to you. Right. That's not really a rate of return. That's not a yield. It's it's what they're willing to give back to you. Um, so it's very, very misleading. Okay. If, Are there any tax incentives for that? Is that... 
there could be tax incentives. And that's why I want to run that by okay. uh, CFP. The one thing I legally can't do without getting into trouble is talk taxes. Right. Um, the IRS really, really forbids non-qualified um, people from giving tax advice or anything that looks like tax advice. Gotcha. Um, but I will run it by. Um, so just drop me an email, Robert com, and I'll, I'll run it by a financial planner and, and tell you if there's another option that you should tell him to consider. Do you like the new financial planner? I do. I really do. I think he um, seems like a nice guy, and he seems like he has... Um, he seems like he has a good plan for us. Okay, who was the old financial planner? Um, did I like the old financial planner? What, what, what went wrong with it? Um, you know, my husband and I were talking about that yesterday. I think that for the most part, um, it was just, uh, it was the good times. We had lots of money and good. and we didn't have to micromanage it so much. And um, our old guy, we just didn't, didn't feel like we had a lot of contact with him. And when things started to go bad, we didn't feel like we ever heard from him. And so um, we just, now that we have to be a lot more careful with our money, and, our, and now we have three little kids who have, um, you know, we're, we're trying to put them in private school and trying to get college funds set up, so we, need, we just need to be more careful with our money. And we remodeled our house, so we put a large chunk of our cash assets into the remodel. Okay. So we just have a lot less um, cash to play with, so we're just trying to be more careful, and we just feel like this new guy. You got term life on the husband, right? I've got a lot of insurance on the husband. Okay, not you don't want whole life and you don't want variable life. You want term life. Okay. We have uh, what is in the Section 79, okay. whatever that is. And then um, we've also got a, a bunch of disability on him as well. Disability is really important. There's a, yeah. If me, you, and your, your husband go out, there's a better chance of him being disabled and not going to work than of him dying. Right. So okay. disability is probably more important for age people 20 to 60 than, than life insurance is. But with kids, you got to get life insurance in case a bus hits them. Exactly. Um, with the kids, have you reviewed your financial plan on a regular basis? You update it ultimately? Um, our financial, you, know, you mean like the 529s or do you mean? No, have, like um, your will and your yes, estate we plan? We have a will, we have a trust, okay. we have. Um, Keep in mind, you're going to want to change that in about five years. Okay. And then again, in about five more years. Um, what changes do you make? Well, it's just as the kids age, you know, suddenly they're going to need a little less money. Um, maybe originally you put your sister as a trustee uh-huh. and now you hate your sister. <laughs> um, maybe you, enti- maybe, you know, all your money was total of a million dollars five years ago. And now because you got three kids and the practice is down, you're still at a million dollars. So maybe it's time to change the plan a little bit. Just understand that you've got a high net worth and you've got a family that is dynamically changing. And again, you'll want to change it when they're 18 and off to college because they're no longer as dependent upon you. So um, I have one more quick question when it comes to the kids. So we have a 529 that we, um, funded for both of my older kids and um they are you know i don't know if i can pull you up the number but my um both of them are going to a private school so our 529s currently are worth eighty seven thousand five hundred dollars okay good so um what i'm wondering is i know you always say fund retirement and worry about college after that yeah um because times are a little more lean right now um what we're wondering is, should we take the 529 and pay for the, we currently have them in private school. Sure. So that's costing us probably $8,000 a year for my five-year-old and three-year-old together. Wow. Okay. 3000 for the three-year-old, 5000 for the five-year-old. And that's only going to start going up. So what we're wondering is, should we take the 529s and start funding, using those to fund their private elementary kind of school? Yeah. Or should we save that for college and 
we just use cash out well, of our accounts to. I have no problem with you drawing it from the 529. Oh, great. In large part, it's going to be tax redistribution for your kids' education. Um, versus using after-tax dollars, it's really no difference because you put after-tax dollars in the 529, you're going to get that back out. Or if you have cash on the sidelines, you can use the cash on the sidelines. But to me, $87,000 for one kid's 529, or let's just put it another way, you've got 160000 for all three of their education. That's a lot of money. Um, there's a pretty good chance that's going to be enough. If you get typical market performance, that's going to kick up to about $300,000-plus. So you've done a pretty good job. I think that's going to cover most of their elementary high school years in private school, but it's also going to cover, you know, two, three years of college, very likely, unless they go to Harvard, um, which you probably, you know, being a doctor's wife and three kids and, you know, you're probably staying on top of them and making sure they're pretty smart. So, um, yeah, a little bit more money in the uh, 529s, but not too much. They seem to be pretty well funded. And thanks for the call, Angie. You're welcome. Thanks a lot, Rob. Yeah, how's that? Um, good call. And again, nothing greater on the planet than having a kid. Uh, but kids are expensive. Did you hear? I mean, she's put $170,000 away for the kids. At times, I bet she goes, you know, if I just stayed, you know, married to the husband and didn't have kids, we could be in Mexico and Paris and Frankfurt every other weekend. And they could have. Kids are that kind of expensive. But she's got a husband who makes good money. Um, as far as the financial planner issue is, one thing that I wanted to get out from her call was you want to talk to financial planners. The first one didn't talk to her and she kind of got spooked when the market went down. The guy probably got scared and he didn't want to call and say, I'm sorry, I've lost 20% of $2 million. And what you just lost 400,000 bucks. You have to talk to your financial planner. You have to reach out to your financial planner. Your financial planner has to like you. You have to like your financial planner. You should send your financial planner pictures of your kids. Oftentimes, I say this jokingly, and I would have said, like, I would have told her, you know, show your kids, put your kids in a wheelchair and then show the financial planner that picture because he's going to take it a little bit more seriously. Uh, Some of these, I'm just going to call them uh, swinging doodads. Some some of these financial planners kind of become swinging, cocky, arrogant doodads. Like, you got to have to put them in perspective and show them what exactly y'all are doing and why. Speaking about highly compensated employees, hedge funds, they're going out of business less quickly now than they were a year ago. So there's a little bit of recovery going on, but at the same time, hedge fund managers are earning lower incentive fees, and they're starting new funds at a slightly slower pace. So the hedge fund is for families who are high net worth, million plus, and they want opportunities to protect that wealth in good markets and bad markets. Most of us need to accumulate wealth. But once you become wealthy, you need to manage it. And that's where hedge funds come in. But they're not they're not even appropriate for most wealthy people, to be quite honest with you. There's too much risk, too much exposure that you don't need. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.